to Alone at the Table. In this podcast, I play solo RPGs, and I invite you to come along for the experience. My name is Audrey. Today's game is Wreck This Deck by Becky Anison. This game came across my feed online because people are playing it using the hashtag WreckThisDeckRPG and posting pictures of what they're doing. I had the chance to talk to Becky, and the game is being crowdfunded on Backerkit, which is pretty exciting. Today is the first day of the campaign, so you should go check it out. You can search Wreck This Deck, or you can click the link in the description. Wreck This Deck is a solo journaling game designed to be played on social media specifically. It came out as a PDF during the pandemic. People were using the hashtag WreckThisDeckRPG, and now it's a 36-page print zine. That's what the campaign is for. Becky is publishing with Black Armada Games, who have done some really cool stuff in the past. So this game starts out hard and fast with the flavor, and it explains things to you a little bit later. The opening text line is, My name is Jackie Farley, my true name is Jax, and I'm a deck runner. If you are reading this, then I guess you want to run a deck too. The premise of this game is that you are trapping demons in a deck of 52 playing cards with jokers, and specifically, you can use it as kind of a divination tool in your story. There are meanings assigned to the suits and the specific numbers of the cards that you can help to divine meaning from to tell like fragments of scenes and to, and to discern what is happening for your deck runner. It does require you to deface a deck of playing cards, as the name suggests. I'm a big fan of games that have tactile interactions that aren't just writing a story. I know it's different than stuff I have done on this podcast so far, but I do hope to do this style of like keepsake game more often. I grew up with a lot of craft projects and creative workbooks, and one of my favorites was Wreck This Journal. This game is exactly in the spirit of that. You are going to have to get this deck messy and mess up cards, and you're not going to be playing bridge or rummy or whatever with it again anytime soon. One of the things I love about this game is how strong the narrative fiction is in it. Jax is a great narrator. They are jaded and just a little bit hesitant to tell you what's going on, but they do explain that people have been learning to trap demons in playing cards and that it's very dangerous. Here's another excerpt. I use my deck to nudge fate and level the battlefield rigged by corporates, governments, and the super rich. My deck is battered and dog-eared, scratched with sigils, the names of demons and the names of people I love. It is spattered with paint, blood, and worse. It works, though, and I thank hell for that every day. This game assumes that you are playing in basically an alternate version of Earth. If during the 2020 pandemic and subsequent years, you were able to trap demons in a card deck and use that to affect the world around you, that's the setting we're playing in. It's a little bit beyond the veil, which I like. 
very urban fantasy, I immediately got Dresden Files vibes reading the narration of this game. And I love that series. I love the premise of behind the veil. There's more to this world, etc. So this game is really exciting to me. In the spirit of sharing my cards on social media as I affect them, I will be posting them on Tumblr. That's ladytabletop.tumblr.com so that you guys can see what I'm doing with my deck. And I will use the hashtag wreckthisdeckrpg. I know that most of the hashtag use has been on Twitter, but I am not on Twitter, unfortunately, or fortunately. This is part one of I'm not sure how many episodes I'm releasing at least two during the campaign for this game, which, fingers crossed, will reach its funding goal. I'm very excited to get this zine. The first things you do with this game are answer some questions in your journal. This is where we're making our character. So what do people call you? I'm going to name this character Violet. Next question. What is your true name? Vi. What is the community you are trying to protect? And what problem are they currently facing? I think Vi is involved with her local library, and they are currently facing the threat of defunding and closure by local government. What matters to you apart from your community? Vi has two dogs that she loves. She has a regular group of friends that she goes to trivia nights with. I'm probably going to name those as I play the game. And I think that her sister also lives in town. What is going wrong right now? I think that Vi has missed some days of work while advocating for the library and in general helping with that situation and also deck running. So the threat of losing her job is right there. Next step, take the jokers and apply sigils to the back of each. Always keep your deck within their sight. They will watch over it and you. Write your true name on one of the jokers. Now the deck is yours. The sigils that are drawn here in this zine are very cool and they look like a pair of eyes. So I will be copying those down. There are four ways you can use your deck. Fortune telling. Uncover information about your own life, your community, your situation. Doing ritual work. Rituals that will work magic and change the world in big and small ways. Trapping demons. The demons can be used to power bigger magic and make fortune telling more useful or just feel smug. I love that detail in the writing. The more demons you accumulate, the weirder and wilder things get. The fourth and final option is hexes. You can cast hexes with the deck and one day you might need to know that. Ooh, okay. So this is the first item on this kind of overview page that doesn't really go into detail about what it is. There is a reference page later in the book, but I will save that to be a little bit of a surprise when I try to cast a hex. Let's try fortune telling. I'm going to do a simple three card spread to start out. There is an example in the book and a table that gives you the information that each card represents. So let me shuffle my deck. 
The question I am focusing on is how can I keep my job while still deck running? Because it takes money to survive in this world. I've been so busy with the library and fundraising efforts and getting books out before they can be taken and trashed that I've missed a few days of work and I'm not really sure how I can keep this up. I hate that money is a necessity, but it is. And if I want to keep doing good work with the library, I need to find a way to not lose my job. So I think that I need to do a fortune telling spread. In the first position, which is the current situation, I have the five of spades. It's referring to that which is hidden. That seems pretty obvious to me. My employers don't know that I'm part of the library salvage effort or that I'm a deck runner, and that's what's keeping me from work. It's not a straightforward absence. The second position is what is on the surface, and I've drawn a birth. Well, I guess we are creating something new with the library salvage project. That could be considered a birth of sorts. There is an asterisk next to this card that says this card is also an egg. Seven days after you first draw it, the egg will break and a demon will emerge. You must trap it, otherwise something bad will happen. In the third position, I have the Queen of Spades, which is a second order demon. That usually represents that which is hidden. I wonder if there is a second order demon that I could enlist for help. I think that's definitely what the cards are telling me, and I have no time to waste, so I'm going to do it now. All right, listeners, I guess we're summoning a demon right away. I think the demon my fortune-telling was referring to is Nibirius, the Marquess of Hell. They make you a master of oration and persuasion, and what I need is my boss to believe me when I say I need more time off. I know that Nibirius needs to be fed with lies, so I texted Sadie to tell her I'm too busy to come to her gallery showing. It feels bad, and I was really looking forward to it, but I need Nibirius's help. This is more important right now. To trap Nibirius, I need the King of Hearts. I have to make my case to Nibirius and then pen the eyes and the heart of the King of Hearts while he's listening. Oh, great Nibirius, Marquess of Hell, master of silver tongue, I beseech you for your aid. There is work to be done, and I would rather not do it. I have lied to a friend for you, and with your assistance, I would lie to my employers, too. Please come to this card. Assist me. Together, we can make use of your honeyed words. Oh, good. It worked. Nibirius is a three-headed raven, and it doesn't look like I've been able to pin all three of his heads, but I've got one of them, at least. It worked. My bosses have given me 
Longer leave. No questions asked. I didn't even have to tell them I was sick or something. I just said I was having an emergency. <sighs> Thank you, Nibirius. Hopefully I can continue to placate him. But now Sadie's angry with me. And the library salvage project needs a new place to go. The warehouse we were going to use has been torn down. It's been two days since I drew the card that's going to hatch. I think right now I need the assistance of another demon. We need to find a place to stage the, the library salvage project. I'm going to do a more complicated spread, the Path of Demons. The first card is the Ace of Clubs, which usually represents death or an ending. This is supposed to tell me which demon I'm summoning. Ugh, much as it pains me to admit it, I think I have to summon Halcyon. A lot of people think that the Grim Reaper figure is based on him. He appears at bedsides of the dying, delights in the last moments of despair, fear, even, I guess, the peace. But mostly he's at the bad deaths. The second card in the spread is how I bind them. It's the two of hearts. Betrayal. Well, I think I have to decide if my friendship with Sadie is worth sacrificing for this. And I'm not sure if it is. Let's read the rest of the spread and then I'll decide. What lies hidden? The six of spades. Magic. I mean, most magic is hidden. I wonder if... Someone else's ritual is why the building got demolished after we had permission to use it. It would explain a lot of things, actually. If there's a magic user, a deck runner, working against us. Hmm, that leaves a lot to consider. Let's see what else the spread says. The next card is the Seven of Spades, and it's in the How Do I Attract Them position. Unlikely assistance. That means to me, I think given the betrayal implication that I need to do something that assists someone I don't like or don't want to be helping. The final card in the spread is what will it cost? It's the three of hearts. Oh, I misread earlier. The two of hearts is an ally and with this three of hearts, it's betrayal. So I do think that that still is asking me to sacrifice my relationship with Sadie. I don't think it's worth it. I think I need to try something else. A ritual, or just good old-fashioned hard work. Maybe I've been leaning on the deck too much this week. I'm going to go help with the library salvage effort, and I'll keep an eye on my deck. I don't know what got into me. Maybe summoning Nibirius got me overconfident. I'm going to conclude my part one playthrough there. This has been a lot of fun. I was a little hesitant at first because I do think that this is a very open-ended game compared to some that I have played, where the instructions are perfectly clear and there's not as much space for you to invent meanings of the cards. 
in my playthrough, I used a standard three-card spread, which is detailed in the zine. And then I used the Path of Demons spread, which is also detailed in the zine. You can use basically any tarot spread or invent a spread. There's a few other examples set in the book, which provide the questions that you're asking or like what each card represents, which is nice. Nibirius is a demon that's listed in the book. And the demons that are listed here are all formatted in a table. They have what their title is, what they can do for you, what card they're associated with, what it costs to summon them, basically, what might help you summon them. The telling a lie to a friend thing was not a requirement to do for Nibirius, but I chose to do it because I felt like it made a more interesting story setting seeds up for next time. It also tells you what the consequences might be if the demon starts to cause trouble or if you want to make complications happen later in the game related to the demons you have already trapped. I'm interested to keep playing this game and to see how it goes as my deck gets more and more weathered and worn. I was already starting with a deck that was kind of beaten up. I feel a little less bad about defacing a deck that's already old and broken in. Which Becky says that part of the inspiration for this game was when their partner didn't want to destroy a card in Pandemic Legacy. I know the discomfort with defacing cards is part of the game. I think it's really exciting. I think my pictures have come out cool, and I hope that I can continue to see people's playthroughs in the hashtag, which once again is WreckThisDeckRPG. You can find this game at the link in the description or... You can Google Wreck This Deck and you'll find it on Backer Kit. The crowdfunding campaign is going to run all through June, so you have plenty of time to back it. You can find Becky's work at blackarmada.com or on their itch.io page. Keep your eyes on the feed. I'm going to release another episode of this game probably middle of the month. I think I'll continue playing it. I don't know for how long, but since... Part of the objective is to continue destroying your deck. I think there's a lot of continued play value in this game, unlike some of the ones where I sit down and I tell a whole story in like two hours. I certainly could play this game for an extended session, but I don't think I need to. I think breaking it up is really interesting, and I'm terrified to see what demon hatches out of that egg. That's it for today. You can find me online at ladytabletop.tumblr.com, ladytabletop on itch.io, ladytabletop on coffee. If you like the show, please consider giving us a rating or a review. It helps other people find the show, and I really love the listener feedback that I've gotten. It's so nice to hear from people who are enjoying the show or who have critical feedback on it. If you'd like to see your game on the show or you would like to recommend a game, you can email me at aloneatthetablepod at gmail.com. This podcast is part of the Moonshot Podcast Network, a collection of people doing streaming, podcasts, and lots of other cool stuff. You can check out the other shows at moonshotpods.com. Thanks for spending this time with me. I'll see you next time. Do you like ghosts? What about monsters or haunted houses? Evil furniture stores? Cannibalism? Doppelgangers? Childhood mysteries that involve a strange cult or a scary clown? If you answered yes to any of the above, 
you may be eligible to become a patron at the Dead Letter Society's Library of Terrors. Dead Letter Society is a book club podcast about horror, mysteries, thrillers, and all genre of things that go bump in the night. Every episode, me, Marn, and my wife Alyssa pick a book from our Library of Terrors to read, then come together to discuss it live on air. Which characters do we get too attached to? What plot twist shocked us? Which scares fell flat and which had us jumping out of our seats in anxiety? Which character deaths made us lie down on the floor in anguish? You'll just have to join us here in the Library of Terrors to find out. Dead Letter Society is a proud part of the Moonshot Network. You can find us on Twitter at Dead Letter Pod, and you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you soon at the next meeting of the Society.